Hi, I'm Jayant Sriram and welcome to In Focus, the Hindu's analysis podcast. Thanks for joining us. The week has started with some very worrying economic news. That is a real bloodbath in Dalal Street where India's stock markets are. The Sensex fell today by over 2000 points, which is a 5% fall and is the biggest drop in terms of points in its history. Markets in India and around the world have been severely affected over the last couple of weeks as the novel coronavirus spreads. In that sense, what's happening in India today is linked to that global phenomenon, though there are a couple of other factors that also need to be discussed. The second major economic news of the day is that crude oil prices fell by an incredible 31%. And that's also because of a coronavirus sparked price war between Saudi Arabia and Russia. We'll explain that in the podcast of course. In the very short term that may be good for India, but not if it amplifies the fears now of a global economic recession. Then it could have some adverse downstream effects. And the third point to discuss today is what's happening with Yes Bank and how the financial services industry is reacting. And that could be contributing as well to investor panic. So we wanted to start the week off with a brief discussion on the markets. I think that would be a good way to set the tone for the rest of the week when we might get into each of these issues individually. The economy and the spread of the coronavirus of course remains top of everyone's minds. Joining me today is the Hindu's deputy business editor K Bharat Kumar. K Bharat Kumar, hi, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you. So, uh the market's lost 2000 points today, which is its biggest fall in terms of points, I think. Um this is to start the week. and i think last week the news that we recorded was that it, it was the second biggest second worst day in the history of the sensex so it's fair to say that we're going through a fairly rocky period in terms of the stock markets um and what's happened today is that it's about a 5% drop and in real money terms that's about 5 trillion rupees of investor wealth so i know that a lot of this is linked to global fears about the coronavirus the spread of the coronavirus and given that we are recording this on monday now let's try and track back to the close of markets worldwide last friday so what's been happening since then so the markets have uh, seen a rocky ride these past few days and weeks um, because the coronavirus the impact that it's had across countries and the speed at which it has spread has caught authorities unawares um, and you know it clearly when people are shutting shop even temporarily it's not only specific sectors that get affected for instance when you talk think about the india china um, you know economic relationship first that comes to mind is the pharma industry right a lot of supplies come in from there but likewise mobile phones a lot of components come in from china so if one of your component makers even if you make phones here in india one of your component makers says i cannot produce for two weeks or three weeks because of a shutdown it's going to impact what you do here and now with iran and italy becoming sub centers where there are more and more uh, a significant number of cases that are being reported it's going to be a pandemic that will impact economic growth globally so the markets have been reacting to it and the financial authorities the regulators for example in the us uh, they held an emergency unscheduled emergency meeting where they cut interest rates by 5 uh, percentage points uh, 0.5 percentage points and markets reacted very positively to that because that day prior to the announcement was a significant fall and then a significant rise but even then the markets closed in the negative for that day because after all um, you know an interest rate cut only 
goes so far to fix uh, problems in the economy but a virus is a virus uh, if it spreads yeah. then there is only so much you can do to stem it right so that was that was uh, what happened last week in the us um even then is there what what accounts for this huge uh, fall that we saw today in the sensex in india so a combination of factors here one is the spread of the virus itself um if you look at the asian markets that open uh, earlier than our india stock, indian stock markets do um you look at the kospi or the hang sung they have fallen about in the region of 5% each um so they have reacted one to the spread of the virus second to uh, what's happening on the crude oil front so for the last 3 years uh, saudi arabia and russia saudi arabia leading the opec uh, group and russia which was outside of it but they had come together 3 years ago to uh, agree on production cuts so that they could keep prices up but uh, looks like the russians believed that the ones that were to gain the most were their rivals the us with their shale gas supplies uh, so the russia wanted out from this uh, arrangement and said we'll go ahead and produce as much as we want so a cartel works only when all members of the cartel agree and execute according to plan so if one person gets out the others say okay we are at uh, will to uh, increase production so when production increases uh, your prices are expected to fall and that's what happened on monday morning so that's what um, uh, that's one of the big reasons why the markets are reacting right and so the the concern about the coronavirus um is do you see this as something that's going to abate at all sure it will um because there has been research happening on vaccination right now there's no cure for a virus even your common cold is a virus and no cure has been found right uh, bacteria yes but not viruses yet uh so it will abate um as we've seen in the past where sars or h1n1 and so on and so forth we the ebola um uh, epidemic that happened all of these have seen a certain rise and then a fall and then saturation um it will abate but not before it takes its toll on economic activity right and for india in particular which are the sectors that will be affected i mean as if it continues to be a concern and it continues to have this detrimental effect on the markets which are the sectors that we can really look at as being affected so the obvious statement is those in which we are dependent on china for uh, manufacture of items here like i said pharmaceuticals um uh, mobile phones and the auto sector a lot of components do come in from china so these are uh, sectors that you know lend themselves to stoppage temporarily for production if uh, china does not get back on its feet quickly enough right and what about uh, sectors like tourism for instance and if uh, could that be affected clearly uh, because uh, you know we've talking about indian airlines and i had a friend visit me just as a personal anecdote where uh, there's a lot of fear because if you're in crowded places you have no idea who's been infected with what and people are having masks on and one person looks at another person with a mask on he gets uh, sort of charged up saying hey i don't know what's happening so when there is fear there is little activity um and that's what looks like that's what's happening um airlines will be affected tourism will be affected because uh, schools are closing down i read a piece of uh, note from a school in bangalore where the particular school is shut till further notice so when you don't create activity there's only so much uh, you know economic impact that it can have so tourism clearly will be affected as would be as would indian airlines so i just want to press you a little bit about um, the oil prices um, issue i think generally to to people who are reading people uh, who are people who are mm-hmm. listeners as well i think everybody understands that there is uh, the corona virus scare and um, that's been driving down global economies uh, for the past week uh, even perhaps going back 
Um, but just how do we understand specifically what's happening now with uh, with crude oil prices and what's happening with OPEC? Can we just go back a little bit and talk about that? Sure. It's uh, like I said, it's the breaking down of a cartel uh, that included all the OPEC members plus Russia. So the three-year partnership used to go and agree on production cuts when they realized that the pricing needs support. So when you uh, control supply, pricing is impacted positively or upwards and vice versa. So the Russians believe that their rivals, uh, in whatever sense that they'd want to look at the US at, uh, would gain the most with these production cuts. So they said, we do not want to remain part of the partnership, so we want to get out. And Saudi said, okay, if you don't want to remain, we will go ahead with uh, producing as much oil as we want, because they also want a, part of, a larger part of the market share. So that's what's happened, and Saudi Arabia has made this um, official. They've actually cut prices on sales of their uh, supplies of crude oil. And that's why uh, Monday morning in India, you saw that oil had fallen down by as much as uh, $31 to a barrel. So just to dwell on the uh, oil question a little bit, um, I, I read that it's a 31% drop in crude oil prices, which um, is the highest drop, I think, I think since the Gulf War. Yes. So that's, you know, that's the kind of event we're talking about here. Um, one would think that there's, uh, there must be a short-term and long-term view to this because if it is, if there is a short-term view, it would, would be that, you know, oil prices going down is supposed to sort of stimulate demand, um, have give the government more cash to spend. Um, so what's the short-term and long-term view to this oil price drop? Sure. So this, absolutely, there's always a, a short-term benefit and hopefully a long-term benefit. But um, it's very clear in the short-term, if you look at the government of India, um, it spends significantly on oil purchases. As an economy, we import close to 80% of our oil needs. So the less dollars you shell out, the more you have in hand to spend for other stuff like uh, education, health, and social welfare. And the government does need that kind of money considering we've balanced fiscal deficit precariously in these last uh, few years. So that certainly helps in the short term. And at a very micro level, if you look at a, an operator of um, a fleet of trucks, if there's only really, uh, so much he needs to spend on his fuel expenses, obviously there'll be that, that'll put more money in his hands for other expenses. Maybe even buy a truck that the auto, auto industry will be grateful for, considering how what a decline we've right. faced in auto purchases. So that's really short term. But if you look at the long term, and I'll take a global view here. So my understanding of why Russia, for example, wants to get out of the cartel, because when they say it will benefit US, um, its US rivals, how, how would that uh, impact the US um, oil industry? So, for example, US shale oil uh, supplies have significantly grown in these past few years. And oil price per barrel at a certain level supports the kinds of investments that US oil producers continue to keep making for extracting this shale oil through a process called fracking. So below a certain price of oil per barrel, those investments are not justified. So Russia, I think, realizes this and says, okay, let's just increase production, cut prices, so US won't be a significant competitor. Looks like that's what they take us. So when a particular industry and a significant industry like the oil industry in the US is impacted, it will have its effect uh, on other industries, in both in terms of job creation and uh, supplies to the oil industry and so on and so forth. So the U.S. economy and hence the global economy will feel its impact. To what extent remains to be seen as to how long these production increases keep going. Uh, so that's the long-term effect. And when all of the U.S. economy is impacted, uh, a country like India that exports to the U.S., right, it's looking to increase its exports. 
but if there is not as much of a demand just because of these oil prices and then the added effect of the coronavirus, we will have a medium to long term impact on our ability to export to such markets. Right. So, the, so you mentioned that the cartel is now waking up. Um, and what effect first does this have on uh, the global economy in terms of, you know, downflows? So this is um, combined with the impact that the coronavirus has had. Mm. Uh, if demand itself is going to be stagnant. For mm. instance, if I want um, uh, a piece of uh, cloth, or say example, a t-shirt, I may be willing to pay a certain premium de- depending on how much uh, I want, how badly I want it. But if I do not want it at all, it doesn't matter what price it comes to me at. I think that's a logic that the stock markets are seeing. If the economy is going to remain stagnant, and to uh, bolster that point, um, Moody's has come out with a note today where they've revised India growth downwards, uh, because they have commented that uh, global economic uh, conditions are going to remain stagnant. Um, there is no doubt that coronavirus will have an impact on that. So when you're not going to have activity at all, then the demand for oil would not move significantly up just because the prices have gone down. It's the supplier's way of trying to make um, as much money as possible by selling more units or barrels in, in that industry. So when they when producers realize that there is only so much that they can sell, they want to up the ante by reducing uh, prices, and that is done by redu- uh, increasing production. So when you try and sell more, you reduce prices, but economic activity is not picking up at all. So there is, um, while in the short term, you may see that uh, that demand for oil may uh, see a blip upwards across uh, you know spots across uh, the geography of the world, there is no assurance that just because oil has fallen down so much that economic activity will pick up in India and China and so on and so forth. And that's why markets have reacted. So the third thing, I think we'll touch upon this before we kind of talk a little bit about what kind of responses there can be to a stock market crash like this. Uh, the third thing is uh, the, the Yes Bank issue, which in fact we were planning to do as a separate podcast, but we kind of put off uh, at least for a few days. Um, so, given what's happening with, and I'm, and I'm re- reiterate, we're just going to touch on this without getting too much into the issue. But given what's happening with the S Bank now, um, how is the rest of the financial services industry uh, reacting? Sure. Uh, if you look at the S Bank's numbers um, um, in the early years, say about eight, ten years ago, its deposits growth was significant, whereas its loan growth wasn't as much. And in recent years, it's picked up pace and sort of exceeded uh, the quantum of deposits that it's given out. So there is more to it than meets the eye because we don't know how come they achieved such growth or why they wanted to do it and so on and so forth. That's left for the authorities to investigate and come out with some conclusions. Uh, But what's important here is SBI has been roped in to invest in Yes Bank. So one point of view is why should public sector money be put into a private bank just in order to protect it? And the answer to that is, uh, in the financial system, if a large player collapses, there's obviously a domino effect. Um, Because, for example, even the decision by the RBI to say there's only 50,000 rupees that uh, account holders of Yes Bank can withdraw for the period ending April 3rd this year has impacted uh, so many uh, entities, like uh, uh, stock market brokers. They have their clients who might have savings banks accounts with uh, Yes Bank, and when they buy or sell shares, they won't be able to use more than 50,000 rupees in those accounts to be able to settle those trades, right? And PhonePay, it had a payment gateway via Yes Bank, and its operations were impacted for a whole 24 hours 
uh, and online transactions couldn't get through. So for just a small decision by, or not so small decision, but uh, you look at the quantum that they've advised, it's rupees 50,000, even for that piece of uh, information coming out, there's so much impact on the financial system. So if you let a bank collapse, there will be a repercussion on other entities in the system, uh, especially people who borrowed from Yes Bank. Um, if Yes Bank has borrowed from other entities, its ability to repay those entities is impacted. So those loans would turn bad. And those entities cannot repay the loans that they have taken in order to pay Yes Bank, and so on and so forth. So there's a domino effect. You cannot allow uh, an entity as large as Yes Bank to go down so quickly. And that is why the RBI has intervened. The other issue here is the timing of action by the RBI. And the governor has come out. There is no right or wrong answer here. Uh, one way or the other, you will tell me either I'm too early to step in or I'm too late to step in. The timing is appropriate. And there is consensus on, on the view that it is appropriate. They've stepped in at the right time. So uh, you talked about the impact of uh, Yes Bank and on, on the financial sector and hence on the yeah. stock markets. Um, significantly, Yes Bank stock has zoomed uh, about 30% somewhere intraday. We'll have to check where it's settled at. So for Yes Bank depositors and investors, it's good news because there's public sector money coming in via investment from the SBI. But the rest of the people have been impacted. For the SBI itself, its stock counter went down by 6%. Okay. So um, investors and entities that have to put out the money in order to save Yes Bank haven't been too thrilled by the decision. Okay. And um, any other banks have reacted to this or just SBI stock has gone down? No, because the whole market has come down. Uh, the Bank X and uh, you know, significant entities in the banking sector have seen a fall in their share prices. But it's, I talked about SBI because SBI's money is going into uh, US Bank. Right. Um, so let's just talk a little bit now about um, you know, what, what can possibly be like a government response to what's happening in the markets. Because we, we do know that sometimes what markets want and desire is not what governments can deliver or that they do deliver. So I think that all there have already been some voices today saying uh, this is more of a trend that's, you know, because of global markets and global economies. I, I mean, what can be done domestically in terms of uh, resp response by the government to actually appease the markets in a way, halt the slide? Uh, if you're specifically talking about the stock markets, I don't think the government should react. Right. Uh, it's just investor wealth. Uh, the markets react to public... Uh, sorry, global developments uh, as much as they do to domestic matters. The government is not in the business of propping up markets. They shouldn't even attempt to talk it up at all. What they should do is continue doing whatever is appropriate uh, for the financial system, like uh, not letting uh, an entity like Yes Bank or a much smaller entity like the PMC Bank earlier collapse. You know, it will have its repercussions on the financial sector, and that's what they've done. And I think they should confine their activities to what they can do instead of talking up markets or doing things that the markets want, because um, markets react very quickly to these events, uh, whatever announcements come out from the government, and then very quickly to the other events, as was evident in the uh, 0.5 percentage points uh, interest rate cut by the Federal Reserve uh, last week. The U.S. stock markets reacted very favorably, but they couldn't even hold up the gains through the day. Uh, so there's only so much the authorities, the regulators can do. Okay, Bharat Kumar, thank you. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for giving us that experience.